0: Hi, welcome to today's episode of Speak Greasy at Mag Street Kitchen, where we talk to chefs who've delighted us with their food right here in this kitchen. My guest today is Chef Mohib Farooqi, who is the co-founder of Accentuate, a culinary studio and private dining space in Aurangabad, where we'll be talking a lot more about that space with chefs. So welcome to the show, Chef It's so you. great to have you here. So I want to start at the beginning, and there's not a lot about you out there, so we're going to hopefully change that with conversation <laughs> and get you to, to tell us more about you. But I do believe that you um, went to culinary school in Sydney at the Cordon Bleu, and then you spent quite a bit of time actually down under, um, working in different restaurants, but uh, taking a step back, what prompted you to get into culinary world?
1: Culinary world, I was. Uh, I feel that you know since childhood, I'd never give any sort of trouble uh, to my mom or to my sister to uh, cook cook up a meal for me. I used to whip up, so it came very natural. And one of my cousins is the most senior most food technologist in the country, so I happened to go to food fairs and uh, believe you me, the first chef I'd met was Sanjeev Kapoor uh, through wow. him, and I was kind of smitten. By the entire thing so yeah uh, that's what got me into the cooking
0: you you're the first chef who, who hasn't said that um it was through my grandmother's kitchen that i learned how to cook no.
1: <laughs> although my mother is a great cook um uh, she comes from Hyderabad, so the uh, food always has been very meat-centric
0: is that your is is that home for you Hyderabad? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And my parents are from Hyderabad. I never lived there. But uh, I was born and raised in the Middle East because my dad was working in uh, Saudi. So I moved to India when I was 13 and continued my education.
0: And that was in Aurangabad? Else, So So, uh, Chef, you opted to go to Cordon bleu in Sydney. And so how did that decision happen? And tell us a little bit about that experience. So I did my...
1: Hospitality Management course at IHM Aurangabad, the Taj School, but I was always inclined towards kitchen due to family pressure. They wanted me to take up a degree program. So I took that and finally back the job at Taj Bombay. Uh, but then still, I felt that my base was not as strong as a culinary arts students would be. After a year of working at the Taj, I enrolled myself at Sydney Godimlo because I didn't want to go through the French language courses. Uh, to go to Paris and enroll there. Uh, so I chose Sydney campus and plus uh, I love beaches and mm-hmm. uh, just the vibe of uh, uh, how it's there down under. So I decided to go to Sydney, uh, took up a course and started working at the same time. Yeah, so, uh, fell in love, stayed back for six years. Sydney for the first three and a half years and then moved up north uh, in Great Barrier Reef to work on an island, resort. a resort on an island uh, called on Long Island. So I worked there for three years. Kept on buying time from parents uh, for like every year. I would be like, give me one more year because they wanted me to be in close proximity to yeah. them. Uh, they were quite okay for me to be working outside. But being the only son, my parents were like, just stay somewhere nearby, uh, say Dubai. Uh, then this opportunity came by of Taj approaching me because that was the best thing at that point of time to get into L D learning and development uh, for Taj Group. So they approached me when they found out that I've moved back. Uh, they approached me to become a trainer for the Taj group. So that's...
0: And this is training for the kitchen? Kitchen team, the new recruits
1: of Taj, um, who happen to come every year. All the new recruits of Taj group, they come down to Aurangabad and they stay there for a month and a half uh, to go through many uh, workshops and orientation of uh, um, plus, I was also teaching the students of IHMR.
0: Yeah, I was wondering, uh, you know, it was uh, not the conventional route for a chef generally to yeah. to move to teaching um, from restaurants, but it makes sense. And
1: Something uh, which fell into my lap, I didn't choose to become a, te- a teacher.
0: Well, it, it it completely explains why you have this crazy uh, student following that you do have. And, uh, you know, I remember when you, when you were coming to cook at Mac Street Kitchen and, you know, you just within seconds of putting it out there you had i think
1: we were yeah it was overwhelming
0: yeah no that's incredible and um you know i know that uh having chefs who've been out there you know walked around the world and come and share that experience is i'm sure you know like a, a treasure trove for the um students so that's amazing but what then prompted you to start
1: What I was missing was cooking for real-time guests. So I always had this thing of when I first came across uh, Relay, that's when I decided that, you know, if I had to get back into the industry, I would probably go first and work at Relay and uh, do something of my own. And uh, yes, I applied, never got accepted. Then I one like I used to write long cover letters and the, the CV attached. And they never responded. They said, we are full. Probably they didn't have the time to read what all I've done. And one fine day, I just decided that I'll write to a few restaurants which I like in uh, Denmark. And I just wrote, hey, I'm from India. I'd like to come and stage at the restaurant. So you
0: ditched the long cover letter, basically. (laughs) Let
1: me know know if you want me to bring some Indian spices to cook up an Indian meal for staff food. (laughs) And all of them said yes. (laughs) then it was uh it was a dilemma for me to choose which one but i it was uh, relay which was love at first sight so i decided to go
0: well that's a great tip for anyone who is uh you know having trouble with yeah. getting stars <laughs>
1: don't write long cover letters the chefs don't have the yeah. time to read
0: yeah tell them what you can do for them right yeah <laughs> um that's a great tip there but speaking of that and just you know uh, sticking with this topic of students um is that something that you would recommend to, you know, having been through the Indian um, culinary school program as well as studied abroad? Uh, is that something that you would recommend? So I see that a lot with uh,
1: students from India going through a full-fledged culinary arts program, a four-year program. That's how it is, like three three years or four years at most of the schools now. And uh, their end goal is to go and again start at Kodungo. I keep saying I can just go straight or don't just save that money and, you know, go and stage at a restaurant and save a lot of money of your parents to not go through that expensive program because, uh, um, sorry, a lot of um, LCB managers are my friends and they would be hating me right now. But then, um, yeah, go straight. Don't waste your time and just go straight and learn because LCB um, or many of the international Call CIA, for example, yeah. they all, I mean, the produce is different, the techniques, you get to see everything here in India. It's uh, because I've been a teacher at a couple of schools here. Um, it's more from the books and the, it's more theoretical. And then when it comes to kitchen, it's very basic ingredients, which you got to play around with.
0: Coming back to Aurangabad, Chef, um, you know, tell us what accentuates all about. And I know you cooked for the likes of Hillary Clinton, so... What was that? What was that experience like? And how would you describe uh, the
1: space to someone? So I'll sort of how it came into existence, um, accentuate Pool lab. Um, I was, uh, we were opening a school for EHL, Lausanne, Ecole uh, Hotelier in Gurgaon. The first school they had in Lavasa was almost shutting down. So Mr. Dilipuri, who is ex-Starwood uh, Asia MD, he decided he got, open a school for Ecole Atelier, and we, uh, we were working there. I uh, got on board with, um, on ISH, uh, this thing, only on one condition, that if I could spend three days in Aurangabad uh, taking care of my mother. So it was a four-day, three-day release thing. Um, So I would be down on the weekends uh, in Aurangabad and decided I'll open up a small space where I, I would be able to do some um trials and something i always wanted inside my house i was looking for so many spaces in Aurangabad, then uh it just didn't make sense because i wanted to keep it super private because the kind of food which i do or uh, maybe for Aurangabad, that's not uh the market i was not, i was not sure that most of the people would accept so i wanted to keep it very private and very exclusive so i decided i'll just renovate the same space and just open it there because it's uh, it's not a space where it's not an area, which is, it's a residential space. So um, a lot of naysayers were there who, who would say, oh, no one would come. So uh, I still went with the gut feeling that, you know, it should, well, because I never kind of did any marketing, I let it grow organically. So the initial days were fun. Of course, uh, you opened so many restaurants, it was uh, yeah, sleepless nights, uh, doing all, all, all of the things by yourself. Except for a dishwasher and a server who would come only on um, during, service. Yeah, during service. Yeah, a lot of blood and sweat went into creating that space. It initially, started off in a one-bedroom apartment, which it still is like um, it's a one-bedroom apartment which has been turned into a dining private dining space. So we converted the bedroom into a kitchen, and the front living room was split into two, and the dining room and a pass where the finishing uh, happened.
0: What happened to the actual kitchen?
1: What happened to the actual? Yeah, the actual kitchen and the living room was it was kind of a studio apartment. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Ah. Uh-huh, uh, okay. Like a one-bedroom studio, uh, kind of a space. So we turn the actual kitchen into a service pass. Um. Yeah. So there's a diet. So it's quite a small, okay. tight space. Okay. So ten seats. Eight eight, 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 eight. eight. So it's eight, only eight. Eight. Uh. Hours we do. Uh. At a time, we do less as well sometimes because it's quite erratic. If someone, um, I started off by saying I was sitting on a high horse initially that, you know, the minimum covers would be 6 we we'll do and it was very unfair um, from a business point of view as well that, you know, I, w- I was just waiting for people and people would wait to book only when they could come in a group. Uh, but then uh, I decided to open it.
0: And when, when did you open?
1: Um, right after I came back from Copenhagen. So that's? So 2020. Just before COVID. Just before COVID. and uh, 21, it opened doors to the public, uh, Mm. to the guests. uh, But 2020 to 21 and during COVID, between those lockdowns, uh, I was doing it for friends and family only. Yeah. So 2021. So it's the third year running now.
0: And it's taken off,
1: I know, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm quite happy. Considering where I am yeah. in Aurangabad and um, the kind of um, market it is, it's quite erratic. Uh, it's very price sensitive as well. So I think it's the cheapest. I still like to believe that I'm serving the cheapest tasting menu in the country right now. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of focus because it's super tight, it's super small. Uh, we do, and plus we don't kind of uh, play around with a lot of things. Uh, my focus is on showcasing two or three ingredients on a plate, or especially one with supporting elements.
0: So how would you describe your food and your cooking style? Uh, it's quite simple,
1: creative, simple. Uh, no fuss, no muss, uh, not beating around the bush. Uh, it used to be like I started off in French kitchen, there too many elements on one plate. I liked relay, uh, because of the fact that it was pure, like super simple, and but yet a lot of thought process goes behind creating that simple looking dish. So that's something which I brought back and started applying to uh the food I do there we do about nine courses um, three sweets and six savories
0: and how often do you get around
1: changing your mix three months every three
0: Wow, yeah but I know that your food looks beautiful it's uh you know it it really um it photographs well which is how I sort of discovered you on on the holy grail of Instagram how do you sort of feel about that because that's something that's quite Um, you know debatable among chefs in terms of like is the food made for the gram or is it you know does it actually pack a punch in terms of flavor and you know so so how do you ever do you ever get that
1: the guests who have eaten will question that i hope it tastes as good yeah when they (laughs) now a couple of times i've got these messages on instagram uh, because off late we've been getting a lot of clients from Bombay actually coming down uh, after we got mentioned uh, in one of the issues of Condé which I wasn't aware of. Uh, it just happened that, you know, this lady came and I wasn't there at that time during service. My boy's in the kitchen, so this lady and she happened to, she turned out to be a Condé food reviewer. And she put up a post and suddenly we had to Yeah, so my wish, uh, I mean, my dream is to put it on the map. Like, apart from the historical monuments, if someone's coming for good food, then accentuate should be on their itinerary. Coming back to the question which you asked, uh, it is a pressure, uh, yeah I do understand that you know a lot of chefs are doing it for the gram that you know it has to look a certain way but then uh, when it tastes it's kind of, how do I put it, flat so we try and not do that yeah uh, hopefully and we hope that you know people find it tasty too, uh, so far uh, we haven't disappointed.
0: Amazing, so what was it like cooking for, for Mrs. Clinton, how did that happen? Mm-hmm.
1: Hillary uh it just came by people who were hosting her and designing our itinerary, you heard about accentuate doing um, these private tables so they came down uh, without telling us that you know they were the plan was to host uh, Hillary and they came down they had the meal and they were happy and then they said that we actually came with an intention to have your food first and then ask you if we liked it that uh, would you be interested in doing this meal for Hillary so of course. Uh, who would say no? Uh, and they were quite straightforward about uh, not being able to do it uh, at a studio or anywhere because there was a lot of security issues and things. So they uh, they asked me if I could do it uh, near Elora Cave, the valley, and a uh, organic farm, which uh, where she was staying. So we said yes, and uh, it was a small private uh, table of five, which we did. And she was super sweet. Uh, yeah, super sweet. And for the first time, we did something modern Indian because they said it'll be great if she could, if you could play with Indian, which we never do, uh, and we did, and we uh, we were kind of nervous as well. But we used a lot of ingredients from the from their farm and did a meal, and yeah, all went well.
0: You know, I I have to ask you this. Um, I'm not a chef, and so it's very hard for me to explain what. Um, cooking here is like, but as a chef, how would you describe this to someone who hasn't been?
1: I'd already been here for a workshop. Oh, uh, when it had just started out, uh, I think it was Tim Donan, yeah, um, 11, eleven Madison Park for the sauces workshop. So I was, uh, I was blown away. Just the this, this is what I love: the the height, and um, of course the equipment and the utility and the support which we get from the team. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean it's Bombay, It's a, oh, any kitchen you go it's super tight and you're just like here you can just like spread out. The first one was massive, uh, the second one was which we just did a couple of months ago, uh, was super private for uh, uh,
0: Singleton India. So I have to tell you because I was um, in Singapore when this uh, meet was happening. And uh, the next day, the next morning, I, uh, you know, being ahead in time over there, I got on Instagram and suddenly the inbox was flooded with these pictures of um, the butter that you did as a jigsaw puzzle. And, um, you know, I was like, what is this? It was just blowing up on on our um, Mac Street Kitchen Instagram. So tell us a little bit about that dish.
1: The idea came up when I went to a kitchen supply store here in Bombay, or uh, one of the big stores, and I'd gone to pick up a few silicone molds for pastry, and I saw this jigsaw puzzle, and I immediately thought, well, it would be a nice way to serve three types of butters with the brioche back at Accentuate. Right. So we do a bread course with, um, uh, with butter uh, as a third course on the menu, usually. That's when we decided to bring it down for this, uh, to MSK as well for the event, but the only challenge was we had just had uh two uh two molds and i couldn't find more at the same like they were sold out the same mold wasn't there so i was freaking out as to how we do it but we wanted to do it so we got i got some help from some volunteers who had come down to help two boys actually lived in the walk-in and the freezer uh for two days straight and they were just like molding three types of butters and they were like all puzzles everywhere inside and they uh one almost fell sick uh, by the end of the day because he was like standing inside the walk-in and the freezer just uh doing the puzzles uh bringing them together and we but we managed to finally give one puzzle per person
0: well it it worked because it was the i think it was the the dish of the night for sure so <laughs> the humble butter the humble butter yeah. we, we talked a little bit about this earlier in terms of your um uh, huge sort of fan following with culinary uh, students and you know it's obviously because of your involvement with the uh, hospitality schools um, but what would your sort of advice be to them uh, coming fresh out of school uh, you know today fresh out of culinary school
1: just uh, put your head down choose um, your workplace very wisely
0: what would be some of the things that they should think about?
1: First, uh, do not worry about, um, I mean, a lot of chefs say this. Uh, it's a cliche. I, I'll repeat it again. Uh, uh, everyone's, uh, all the kids are smitten by uh, by liquid nitrogen, the foam uh, machines and all these things. Molecular, which is very passe. We, uh, I mean, we got to use it, uh, but very smartly and very creatively. That cannot be star on the plate. And a lot of kids want to run before they can walk, uh, learn how to walk. And just by stepping out, just when you're stepping out of the culinary arts uh, school, you're not ready yet. You still have a long way to go. Uh, give yourself three years, put your head down, learn the basics, learn the authentic tra- or the traditional stuff uh, first. Keep your eyes open, read a lot of books, invest in books. Uh, do not invest in knives or a knife tattoo. Uh, <laughs> yeah everyone seems to get a night tattoo first thing yeah uh, spend the uh, spend money on books um and read a lot um I still do no one's got sent um it's an industry which keeps you on your toes because you're always learning things are evolving every day. I still don't know many things uh, just read a lot, do your bit of research and stay relevant uh, even if you're working at some place where uh, you're probably doing old school. Uh, but then stay relevant or beware uh be very of things what's happening um and yeah, just uh head down and work for the first three years, think or or to at least know and be sure of what you wanna do and what kind of food you wanna do uh, would it be casual or would it be fine dining
0: um uh, yeah cuisine yeah as well. the cuisine as well uh, no, um great words of advice there if there was anything that you you know would be would you you would like to sort of um, change about the the teaching program in culinary school today or like hotel management?
1: It's and- quite dated. We are still living in the nineteen sixties, which is very important to have uh, Escoffier recipes being taught to students. But um, by the time, the students reach third year. Um, all they are saying and they they start learning a lot of things about um, what's happening around. And the same is not being taught. There's a huge gap. Um, mm-hmm. So the teachers especially, be relevant uh, as to what's happening. Um, they they kind of, uh, I've felt that uh, the teachers in India, I'm sorry, um, whoever they are, but then I've worked very closely with a lot of them. Um, uh, we need to step up and certain schools like um, uh, there's Bombay, there's a uh, pastry school. Especially, pastry schools are doing extremely well yeah. and they're doing
0: great, uh, great stuff. Yeah, they're newer and yeah, so yeah. they're kind of coming in with a, yeah. like a much more recent and modern yeah. perspective yeah. on how to do things. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Bangalore,
1: uh, Bombay, Delhi, uh, the pastry schools are doing great. Uh, the cooking on the hot side is still a huge gap as to, and they need to step up. Yeah, there are a lot of chefs who are doing some amazing stuff. Uh, and especially with the local produce, and one of those days when um, people used to crave for the buffalo mozzarella brought in yeah. from Australia, uh, Italy, which didn't make any sense. At
0: the table we use, uh, you know, Eliphtheria, which is uh, in, which is Indian, and um, it's perfectly good product. And yeah, yeah. no, I think I, I think you're spot on. I think the regional cuisine and, um, you know, homegrown brands are um, making their mark, in a in a really significant way. And I actually feel like uh, as far as like regional cuisine, COVID had a lot to do with that, because, you know, that's what people went back to their roots and, you know, worked on that and sort of may have started in a smaller format. I see so many uh, articles I remember reading after COVID, um, the death of fine dining. And I was like, what? We've we just like survived this apocalypse and now you're ready to kill us off again. But um, no, I mean, you're right. It's, it's, I think uh, the casual format is definitely having its moment right now. And um, it's what people, I think it's, it, it comes back to that, right? People feeling comfortable where they're eating.
1: Even at Accenture, we don't do, I mean, we don't call ourselves a fine dining space. It's not, we call it fun dining because it's so, so private and, <laughs> um, people come with this. Uh, the chef is gonna be there, but then that's that's something which I'm trying to kind of, um, which I will ask you for this uh, advice because uh, a lot of the uh, my clients uh, want me to be there, wherein the food is as good as when I'm not around, and so that's something which is there. But then um, yeah, we make it fun and we can make it super casual. It's just like walking into someone's house, sitting at the table, and having a decent.
0: And it's time for a quick rapid fire and chef be as honest as you have been throughout. <laughs> okay, so, um, restaurant awards, yay or nay? What? Nah. No. <laughs> nah, okay. <laughs> Good. Um, plant based meats, bad fad or here to stay? Here to stay. Yeah.
1: Do you cook with them? It's difficult. I uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we love our meats, but then, uh, yes, yeah, something which has been on our mind, um, that. Uh, it's very important that we should uh, consider doing some plant-based wheels.
0: Interesting. Gluten-free, vegan or gen, what kind uh, of guest is your a favorite? Lot
1: of, <laughs> a lot of pseudo ones. Uh,
0: no, but if they come and say that they are... <laughs> uh,
1: if they're genuinely, um, I mean, intolerant. <laughs> well, I've
0: got to test it.
1: Intolerant, but I've seen <laughs> most of the time, especially in the recent times, I've had a lot of vegan guests or... Um, See, some celiacs, they come and then they see the bread being served and they dig in. And they dig into the butter too. Uh, When they claim to be uh, vegan uh, yeah, and gluten intolerant, I've seen that happen too.
0: Well, um, okay. And which is your favorite food city in the world that you've been to? Uh,
1: Been to? um, Food city, uh, uh, Copenhagen, we used to be. uh, I feel... uh,
0: Oh, even if you haven't been?
1: uh, Where I'd like to go... um, Definitely, uh, Singapore is one uh, place to explore and Rome is something which I would love to go and uh, try out the food there.
0: Amazing. And a restaurant that's on your bucket list that you're yet?
1: Franzen and Eskadet. I think it's that's how you pronounce it in Sweden. Uh, it's a fireplace, like they do cooking on open fire.
0: This is crazy because You're the second chef who said that. And I haven't had that many chefs at the show. So uh, I I think I have to put this on my bucket list too. But anyway, listen, chef, thank you so much for making the time. And, um, you know, I can't wait to actually now eat your food as well.
1: And we can't wait to have you there. Thank you so much.